Have you signed up for Unfound's other podcast, Unfound Live, yet? Thank you. Angela Lee Freeman was a 17-year-old from Petal, Mississippi. She was four months pregnant and loved to work. On the night of September 9th, 1993, Angela went to see an ex-boyfriend at his job. The next morning, Angela's car was found abandoned by a river. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. There are two words that have suddenly worked their way into my vocabulary since I started Unfound six years ago. The first one is allegedly, and the second word is perception. Why is this? Because so much of what is discussed, whether in the interviews, in the think tank, in the discussion group, and in messages with all of you, so much of it is inferred. There is no evidence a crime occurred. There are usually no facts to prove that a missing person is deceased. And certainly there are often no scientific reasons to believe suspects did what we think they did. In fact, the reason we usually most suspect the suspects is because of their own words and behaviors after the disappearances occurred, and not because of any DNA or signs of violence or anything else. Yet, there are the exceptions. The disappearances of Patsy Action, Linda K. Carroll, Kimberly Raymer, Christian Balky Thompson, and Jeremy Burt, among others, all had telltale signs that these people didn't choose to disappear. Well, with Angela Freeman, hers is another of that type. Yet, investigators messed it up from day one. How did they miss something that was proof positive? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Linez's website, charlieproject.org. Angela Freeman was the firstborn and very strong-willed. She wanted to do things her own way. She ended up getting into drugs, though and ultimately made the decision to drop out of school after ninth grade. Then, Angela changed. She stopped her drug habit. Angela got jobs that she kept. She was even successfully paying off a car loan. But, distressingly, at the time of her disappearance, Angela was four months pregnant and wasn't sure who the father was. So... On the evening of September 9th, 1993, Angela was at her friend Paula's apartment. Angela left a note saying she was going to see her ex-boyfriend, Steve, at his job. This is not unusual, although the understanding was that the two were not getting back together. Paula came home later that night. When she got up the next morning, 
Angela wasn't there. Around that same time, Angela's uncle just happened to come across her car near the dilapidated Monard Bridge. A search of the area revealed one of Angela's shoes in the bushes and the other on that bridge. A search of the nearby river yielded no signs of Angela. She was never seen again. However, a red puddle on the ground near Angela's car was eventually proven to be her blood in 1999, despite police thinking otherwise. Rarely do we ever talk about forensic evidence on Unfound. This is probably what makes this podcast so different than almost all the other true crime programs. We often cannot rely on science to prove what we think we know. We must use our experience, logic, and intuition to not so much rule things in, but rule things out. Think about this as you try to answer these three questions during the interview. Number one, how could police really not know what was on the ground beside Angela's car in 1993? Number two, why would any man kill Angela over her pregnancy when she was not even sure who the father was? And number three, should two murders that occurred three years later within 100 yards of where Angela's car was found cause us to not be so sure as to what happened to Angela? Angela's family firmly believes it knows exactly who caused her disappearance. The guest for this episode is Angela's mother, Deborah Freeman. Unfound news. I went, I saw, I testified. Yes, my part in the second Steve Pankey trial is completed. The big question now, will this jury come to a unanimous decision? Next, members of the Unfound podcast channel should be expecting another Unfound Now episode this coming week. For those of you who would also like to get the episode early, please press the join button under any unfound video on YouTube. Finally, this upcoming week is a big one. Why? Iron Maiden is in town. Where you can find unfound. On these following podcast platforms. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and many others, especially outside the United States. The new podcast, Unfound Live, which comes out on Tuesdays, can also be found on these platforms. Social media sites, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newest one, TikTok. Listener support sites, patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. PayPal.me forward slash unfound podcast. The website, theunfoundpodcast.com. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the Mother of Angela Freeman, Deborah Freeman. Deborah, welcome to Unfound. 
Oh, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Let's start here, as we usually do when we have uh, family members uh, as guests. Let's just talk about your family. Of course, Angela is your daughter. Uh, how many other uh, children do you have? And maybe you can just describe uh, the Freeman, Freeman family in the early 1990s. Uh, I have a son. Uh, Angela was my first one. And then I had uh, my son, who's Nicholas. Uh, he lives in California. Mm -hmm. uh, Angela was the first grandkid uh, born. I was, I got pregnant early in my life. I had her when I was 17, but I turned 18 about eight days later. Wow. My mother now, you know, I didn't have, I'm still in school, and of course she didn't go to school pregnant back then. Yeah. Uh, so I had to drop out in the 11th grade, but I had had a... Uh, mm -hmm. I had uh, plenty of, uh, I went to summer school two years in a row to get extra classes and so I could get out early. So mm -hmm. the next year, I just went into grade. Like I didn't need, I just skipped 11th because I had enough credits and graduated mm -hmm. anyway. Okay. But uh, Angela had three mamas. She had me as a mama, she had my mama as a mama, and she had my grandma as a mama. Wow. So she quickly got her way. If somebody said no to her, one of the other two was going <laughs> to That's funny. Okay. Yeah, and, and you're saying your other kids did not get that privilege? No. No, wow. Okay. It was, she was a little spoiled. All right. How did, how did the other kids react to this? Well, after I got out from my mother's and got my own place, and then, of course, I met Nicholas's daddy, and we got married, and Nicholas came along. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Angelo, you know, she, you could tell that she, he was jealous of him. She, when he was growing up, you know, she used to want to, you know, do things to him. She didn't want him around. Oh. But, but then he, he loved him, you know. I'm saying mm -hmm. that was just a thing that she had to go through, uh, that there's going to be others besides her, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, but she got over that eventually. But, uh, mm -hmm. Like sharing toys and stuff, I can remember he'd pick up something, she would want it. But he wasn't much to that. Give him a small little toy, you know, to play with on the side. And you didn't hear nothing out of him, but Angela would be graphing about it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's just. Mm -hmm. And back in the 90s, um, you want me to talk about my parents? No, Freeman just what was just was just what was the Freeman house like in the early nineteen nineties? Like, what was the pattern of you know people going to school, people working? What was going on in the early nineties? Uh, well, back in the nineties, I I was not married. I got divorced, and mm. I had a built in sunrise, and I was working. I had to I worked by myself. I had to work from in the morning to four o'clock in the evening, and my my kids. They mostly just stayed at the house. I didn't. They come watch school, and then they'd come in, you know. And so Angela got into the ninth grade, and she decided she's going to drop out. Oh my! And yes, and um, of course, before she disappeared, she had already made her mind up that she was going to get her GED, and she had already got the book, started studying, mm -hmm. and she would be a nurse. So. She knew that she'd have to get the GEN to do that. Right. So, 
right? Uh, maybe I should ask you this. How many years difference uh, is there between Angela and Nick? About three and a half years. All right, so not, not many. Pretty close. Not many, no. Pretty close. Okay. All right, so, of course, we know that uh, she was very young uh, when she went missing, Deborah, and so Nick is even younger than that. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. he okay. was like 14 when she came up missing. Okay. Uh, why did, uh, if you could say, why did um, Angela uh, decide to drop out of school in ninth grade? What was going on? Well, I think kids having a hard time uh, drug-wise. Uh, you know, she did drink, do some drugs now. Mm. I don't know. I can't tell you what okay. kind because... I don't know. <laughs> okay. I've never done drugs in my life, and I don't know what they even look like. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but she got into the wrong crowd. Uh, you know, they didn't care. She didn't care. Uh, mm -hmm. Then she came to a point of her life when she was a teenager. She she just got this. She loved me, but then again, she wanted to, like, almost like she hated me, you know? Yeah. I would correct her, she hates me, you know? Uh, and you, I guess they, teenagers say things that, you know, they don't mean, and she, a lot of times she did say things that hurt my feelings, and I might have said something that hurt her feelings, you know? But always, I can always remember, it doesn't matter, even though she might have hurt my feelings, she would always come back and tell me. It may have taken her an hour. It may have taken her two hours. But she'd always come back and say, Mama, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Yeah, well, that was nice of her. She was just that way. She just, um, mm -hmm. and she was a lovable person. She always liked to be loved on and always liked to be told that you loved her. You know, yeah. she just, something that, she just needed to hear. Okay. All right, so she drops out of school, but then uh, at some point she decides she wants to get her education. She wants to be uh, a nurse, although, uh, you know, she, she got in with the wrong crowd, as a lot of kids do, but a lot of kids uh, uh, end up straightening themselves out. Unfortunately, some don't uh, and have problems, you know, for a long time. But, uh, you know, would you say the way you understand it, once again, I'm not, uh, I've never done any drugs in my life either, Deborah. but, you know, at the time of her disappearance, do you think the drugs were still part of her life or did she put that behind her? No, she put that behind her. Mm-hmm. She started changing. Um, she got her, when I, I got her a car, she was um, 16. Yeah. It was, it was a summer. Oh. I knew it was in the summer. I can't remember what month it was, but because uh, she wanted, she was going to work. You know, she her first job. She waited on tables. It was basically like a Captain Owl uh, place, and she would have to bring the food to the table after they ordered it. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then um, after that, I think she went to work with Burger King, and then the last place that she ever worked was at Crystal's. Okay, which is another restaurant chain. Yeah. Okay. All right, so I, I think Crystal might, Crystal's might be, everybody knows Burger King, but Crystal's might be more of a regional uh, southern thing. I know what it is since I live here in Florida, but I don't know if they had those when I was in Las Vegas. I can't remember. 
Okay, uh -oh. so so even though she dropped out of school, it wasn't like she was just uh, sitting around at home. She was working. Yeah. Okay, very good. And during this time, uh, you know, of course, we have to remember she was only 17 when she went missing. Um, were, you, were you two living together? W was Nick there as well? Anybody else? Who was all under the same roof uh, around we were, that time of 1993? We had, um, I had, I had a house in New Augusta. Mm -hmm. And I met this, uh, the guy, uh, Bill Stewart, who I married uh, back in, uh, August of uh, 1993. Mm -hmm. well, we, moved, we moved from my house from New Augusta to Pell, Mississippi. To we bought a house there, and we moved in it in April of 1993. Okay. And Angela was living with us at the time because she was you know, she had a room that's there. That moved out a couple of times before we moved there. Because she had went, me and her was, she couldn't get along with my boyfriend, or the person I was living with. I hadn't married yet. Okay. They did not get along whatsoever. All right. Uh, he wanted to be more of a pusher to tell her what to do, and Angela was raised without a mother, right? So yeah. she was very uh, hard-headed. Yeah. You're not going to tell her what to do. You know, you're not, you, you don't have nothing to do with her life. And that was the way. Yeah. But so, they, they didn't get along at all. Very common. Uh, yes, very common. Uh, so um, when I did, we did move in uh, April of 1993, um, she was uh, living there then. And then she got mad with him, and she somehow or another, that's when. She met Larry Posey, this mm -hmm. a boy that she went with. Okay. So somewhere down the line, and they weren't together no time, and she came back, and and that's where she was until she disappeared. All right. So she was with Larry. We're going to get into Larry here in a little bit, but so she goes in with him. That doesn't work out, and then she decides, you know what? I'm just going to have to put up with uh, the man in my mother's life, and she moves back in with you. Yeah. Okay. And we got we got married on August the twenty eighth of ninety three, and she was mm -hmm. in my wedding. She was my maid of honor. Mm hmm. How did she feel about you getting married? Well, look back at the t the tapes now, and she's standing there beside me, and she's got tears rolling down her eyes. Wow. I wish, I wish that I had listened to her. Maybe it would have changed everything. Maybe. Mm. Okay. What do you mean by that, Deborah? I guess it's the decisions that you make in your life. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes if you listen to your children, you may not get into that situation, you All know? Right. All right. So you're saying that you should have listened to Angela when she maybe thought that this guy wasn't good for you? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. So I'm guessing uh, that marriage didn't work out for you eventually? No, we ended up getting because he thought that I should be over this and shouldn't carry this every day and get on with my life. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not coming back. Though. Wow. And I guess his thinking and his running his, I got to the point where I couldn't stand him 
Yeah. So he thought, you, so after, this is after, of course, uh, Angela went missing, which wasn't too long after you got married, that yeah. he started saying, well, you know what, Deborah, you're just going to have to move on. Yep. Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just couldn't. I'm tired. Right, no. Of course you shouldn't. Of course. We were married, I'd say, 11 years, maybe 10 and a half years. And then we lived together for four mm. before we got married. But, uh, yeah. No. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to some issues. And because uh, we're going to talk about, you already mentioned this car, and we want to talk about that because it does become a major part of her disappearance. So I think we need to, you know, understand uh, the context of all of it. Um, this car, uh, that by the time everybody hears our voices, I will have posted pictures of it because there are pictures out there. But, um, you got it for her or she, she bought it from you. She was making payments to you. What was the situation? I got the car. She didn't have no credit. Okay. And I bought the car, put it in my name and gave her the key. Uh-huh. I, I had two sets of keys to it, so I put one up, and I gave her one. And I told her, all the thing I'm asking you to do is to pay your car uh, payment. That's it. I'll pay your insurance. Just your car payment. Because I wanted her to have responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you put your kids everything they want. They don't learn nothing from it. Right. I agree. And so is she paying you? Yes. Great. She paid me the last time I ever saw her. Wow. And was the car, uh, how far did she have to go in paying you off, or was she done paying you off at the time of her disappearance? You know, she didn't have but like, maybe a couple more notes on it, because we had got it the summer of 92. All right. And it was a used car, you know, it was yeah. an 84, and this was in the 90s, so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, was a real expensive car, but something that get her back and forth. And, and the person I bought it from, I knew they took care of it, so that's yeah. the reason why. Plus, it was a Honda, and those things run forever. Yeah. Right. So that was yeah, a good. Yeah, Hondas and Toyotas are good, pretty good cars. Yeah, that was that was a good choice. You didn't get her uh, some junker. You got her a Honda, which uh, was going to be reliable for her. Good choice. All right, so she's paying you back. She's being responsible. She has a job. She's yeah. She dropped out of school, but she's just not sitting around playing video games uh, at the time. Uh, she's paying this loan back, so she's has a lot of responsibility in her life. So you know, maybe not thrilled about who her mother met, but uh, then she moved back in with you. So you know, not pretty good for you know. Once again, a teenager who dropped out of school. Maybe that's as much as we can hope for. Let's move on. So we have this car that she had, and once again, it's going to become. Uh, we'll be talking more about the car later. Let's talk about just in general, um, and his name is out there. I mean, you can easily find it online, so we're going to use his full name. This is not a secret where we have to cover up somebody's identity. Let's talk about Steve Lindsay. Um, just in general, uh, how did um, Angela know him? Did they go to high school together? Or be, I know she dropped out, but still, was he from like the neighborhood? How did the two know each other? Well, I didn't know that she knew him for probably months. Hmm. What it was, she met him through somebody, a friend, and she found out 
that he they used to get together on Friday or Saturday night. A bunch of boys would get together and play in a storage bin, you know, drums and they're not, they're not getting money for it, but they're just mm. doing it to have something to do. Yeah. Um, so she would go up there where the storage bin was and listen to them play. Well, I didn't know it for a month, but I thought she was in bed. And she would sneak out her window and a girl and take her. She'd haul butt up there where he was. Wow. Okay. But the last time I caught her, um, I got up in the middle of the night. I don't, something woke me up, and I'm like, oh, I was going there to check on the kids, and, and Angela wasn't there. So I got mm-hmm. one in and I said, where is your sister at? And, uh, oh, I'm not, uh, you better don't lie to me, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. But it found out that uh, he, she told Nicholas where she was going that don't lock the window, that she'd be back, okay? Hmm. So uh, when she came back, I told Nicholas, I said, do not open that window. Huh. I said, if she's coming in here, she's coming through the front door. Right, right, right. A lo- uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think I a lot of parents have been like this, yes. After that, um, yeah, she brought him out to the house to meet me. And if you, I would never expect the exact date, but when do you believe, was this in uh, 1993, a month of 1993, or when? No, it was in... It had to be in 92, uh, like the beginning of 92, uh, 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 maybe the, right at the end of 91. Wow. Maybe. That long before. But, yeah. Uh, but when he came, when I first met him, he, you know, he was uh, a gentleman, you know, uh, young. He was 21, I believe. Uh, may have been 20, somewhere mm-hmm. that long. But um, I thought, oh, he's real nice, you know. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I found out he's been the service, and I thought, okay. Uh, he uh, come to my house after that. We He'd come in the house, and me and him would just sit and talk and laugh about something. He'd say something, and, you know. Mm-hmm. I, we used to go to Camper Park. We did go to Camper Park for Mother's Day back in 1992 of May of that year. We went to Camper Park. That's a little place that has animals and stuff. We had a picnic, what we did. And uh, he was there. We, you know. Uh, yeah. I got him on video camera, you know what I'm saying? And Angela and him all sitting there talking about, you know, what they want to do and what they're going to, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not afraid to talk to me about it. Just honest and respected. And uh, he was one of those guys that you know he could get. He thought he could get any woman. <laughs> you know, okay. He was just one of those that had that attitude that oh, you know, I anybody want everybody wants me. You know. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess what you're saying, though, is in general, you had a favorable impression of him at the time? Yes. Okay. And would you say that he and Angela were boyfriend and girlfriend? Yes. Okay. Yes. And and when do you believe this uh, started? Because it seems like at the time of her disappearance, they weren't. But when do you believe this relationship started? 
And 92, they were together quite a bit. Okay. 93, they busted up uh, the first of the year. Uh, maybe the first, I can't remember if it's the first or March or something like that. Uh, he started seeing other people, you know, supposed to be seeing other people. She was supposed to be seeing, going to see somebody, and that's when this Larry Posey, Posey, come into our life. Okay. Uh, uh, I have never actually met him. I have talked to him on the phone. You mean Larry Posey? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, he, um, after, I don't know, he calls me, he called me several times when they was doing investigations mm-hmm. case not too long ago. And he would call and just let him, he wanted to let me know that that he had nothing to do with this and that mm. he would really would like to know that I, that he, that I believe that so he could get it off his conscience that I did not think that he done it. Okay. Let's just stick on, let's just stick on Steve a little bit more here before we move. Uh, we'll get to talking a little bit more about Larry in a moment. But Steve, he's in your daughter's life, but some for some reason in early uh, 1993, um, you know, I guess they break up. You're once again. I realize you were not following Steve around and everything, but what maybe you were hearing from Angela, maybe what you just deduced was that he broke up. He was seeing other women, and would you say that at that point that uh, Angela and he were having like an on again, off again relationship? Was that was it tumultuous? Was there any once again? Uh, anything that you saw that the you know the, the relationship had become abusive, anything like that? I didn't see it because I heard it. Mm-hmm. I, I heard some things, and I don't know if they're so. But I, on investigation, after Angela come up, they talked to other people, and yes, this person said yes, yes, you know. Uh, Deborah, all I'm asking you is anything you, I don't care what other people said, I'm asking you what you you heard or saw between you and the two of them. Did you ever hear or see anything firsthand? She would not tell me. Yeah, but yeah, I did hear it. Okay. Like arguing and things like that? Um... Something like that, like he had taken and hit her. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, you know, it's one of those things, uh, oh, honey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Okay. But uh, once again, though, uh, you had, at least at the beginning, you had a, uh, a pretty decent impression of him, and... We're going to get into this next topic uh, regarding her pregnancy, but your impression, like, for example, during the summer of 1993, how often do you think uh, Steve and Angela were seeing each other, if you could even tell, if you even know? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But Angela was, uh, like I say, she was back at her place, and my son was at the house. He would tell me that my mom and Stephen came up today and all. Hmm. Uh, you know, because I talked to Angela and the last time Angela told me that they had both broke up, you know. And then again, he's at my house, the house that I just moved in in April of 93, changing 
tire on a car in the subway. Um, then he would come over sometimes and they would go into the bedroom. And, of course, when I got there, they were all gone because I was working um, from 7 to 4, basically, every day, Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so that was uh, that is Steve Lindsay, and of course we're going to talk about him later. How did you find out that Angela was pregnant? Well, she came in and told me I need to talk to your mom, and she was already four months. I mean, well, when she told me, she was like maybe three months because she disappeared. She was four months. Okay. I remember she she said, oh, I, I looked at her and I said, I said something about her weight. Uh, you know, she got a little budge on her. She's never been that big. Um, she said, Mama, I think I'm pregnant. And I, and I said, Angela, why? Why do you want to have a baby? Because... Look, you're you're going right down the same road as that I went. I had you at a young age, and I said, "Why do you want to do this?" I mean, it's hard raising a kid. And she looked at me and she she said, "Mama, I want to be exactly like you." Huh? And I just, Angela, <laughs> you know. We sat there, and then I said, look, I'll help you any way you can. And she said, well, I really want to have this baby. And I said, well, it's Stephen, you know, and she sort of paused. And I really think that she don't really, she would for answer. So I really think that she didn't really know because of where back and forth situation. Mm-hmm. So, just so I can go through the timeline a little bit, of course, the accepted disappearance date, September 10th, 1993. Your impression is that she was four months pregnant at that point, which means she got pregnant sometime of May of 93. Yeah. That's your belief. And the way, once again, I realize it's 29 years ago now, but at the time, uh, in May of 1993, uh, was this the time that she was hanging out with Larry or... The time that she was with Steve, or is there even the possibility that some other guy could have been mixed in there? I believe it was off and on with Larry and off and on with Steven. Okay. I really, uh... Okay. Let's, if that's uh, what you think, that's, that's totally fine. I'm uh, just asking for your impression. But she never did specifically tell you who she thought the no, baby's father I don't was. Think I really don't. Okay. That's totally fine. Uh, if she was seeing a couple different guys and was having sex with both of them, then I, I can understand why she might not, you know, understand. We're not, we're here to make judgments. But all, all for purpose of this disappearance, um, I think it's, you know, it's a fairly important part, I guess, maybe to kind of try to deduce who the father might have been. But we just don't know. And how would you say, after she told you, how would you say, Angela was handling, you know, becoming, you know, with the the prospect of becoming a mother in in six or seven months, five months. I think that in her mind, 
she was excited, and I think in her mind that she really wanted it to be Stevens. She went out, she bought uh, baby clothes for this baby, she bought, uh, uh, I got a bunch of stuff in a ship row back there, uh, you know, that belongs to this baby. She already picked the name out, it's going to be a girl. She was, um, they already checked into how to get stuff for the baby and, uh, Mm-hmm. Okay, so she, was, she was, she was handling it fairly well then. Yep, she does thought that she was going to have a baby and she was going to raise it and life's going to be good. Okay. And at no point though, up until the time of her disappearance, did she say anything about who, not just on the day that uh, she told you you were pregnant, or maybe you figured that out yourself, but up until the day she disappeared, she never did specifically tell you who the father was. Like you said, she didn't know. Did she ever, in that month before she went missing, did she ever tell any of her friends or anybody who she thought the father was? I really don't know that. Okay. No. Okay. Let's move on to this. You've mentioned him a few times. Let's just uh, concentrate on him now. Larry Posey. Uh, we know how Steve came into Angela's life, but we have to talk about Larry, especially since you've said that after Angela went missing, he wanted to be was very adamant, you know, with you that he had nothing to do with it. Of course, there's a possibility that he might be the father. How did Angela and Larry even know each other? Um, what were your impressions of him? Well. Like I say, I have not actually ever met him. I've talked to him, but Angela met him through her job. Okay. Uh, she, working, she was working at Burger King, and he was working there, too. Okay. And so uh, would you say that he, uh, we know that maybe Steve was a few years older, maybe four years older. How old was Larry, about her age or older as well? Uh, I think he was. Maybe a couple of years older. He wasn't quite as old as Stephen. Okay. All right, but you never he never came over to the house. You only ever spoke to him on the phone. No, I never. Okay. I've never. I just talked to him on the phone, and I didn't talk to him back then at all. I just talked to him since here the last couple of years. Oh, okay. All right, so yeah. you. All right, so you're saying within the last few years, you've actually spoken to him about Angela's disappearance. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, that's that's good. Okay. Um, regarding the present, uh, the pregnant, the pregnancy, regarding the pregnancy, and uh, of course we're all, all going to get into. We're eventually going to get into why you know you and Steve did not have a lot of communication after Angela's disappearance. But did you ever speak to Larry after a disappearance about Angela being pregnant? I did. Like I said, I didn't know it. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to get in touch with him. Mm-hmm. I didn't know nothing about him. Okay. I just, you know, like I say, I haven't talked to him. He, all the thing, like I say, he just has spoken out to me the last couple of years. Okay. So it didn't come up at the time that she was pregnant. Uh, does he know now that, of course, now that Angela's disappearance is out there, uh, in the news over the last 29 years. Obviously, he now knows that she was pregnant at the time of her disappearance in these conversations. 
Has he ever said to you, Actually, you know what, I think I was the father of that child? not actually told me that, but I know that he knew that she was pregnant because it was oh. all over the news. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, and see what, what was wrong with Larry was that, that Angela disappeared. He went off and got married. Oh, okay. To, yeah. And so the cops in this could not talk to him till Monday because he was out of town. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, but he, once again, you've been talking to him in the last few years. He now knows that Angela was pregnant at, at the time. He's never said to you, I think I know that that child was mine. No. All right. All right. So let's just move up. We'll now move up. We've, of course, talked about a lot of uh, 1993, what was going on in, uh, in Angela's life. A lot of things going on. Steve, Larry... Uh, the man in your life, her moving in with Larry, her moving back with you, you getting married, a lot of things going on in the Freeman family during this year. But in those weeks before, let's just go to the end of August of, of 1993. Just in general, how do you look back at that time then? Do you think that Angela's life was moving in a positive direction? Just overall, what were you thinking about her at that time? Well, like I said, she was in my marriage almost. She was my maid of honor on August 28, 1993. She was, um, I mean, everything was good. I mean, we, uh, she was staying there. She was mm -hmm. working. Um, mm -hmm. She had everything. I mean, she, she wants to move out. She is definitely going to move out because she bought stuff to move out with a girlfriend of hers that works at Crystal's. Okay. And, and uh, but I saw that she was going somewhere. She she yeah. had got her her nursing unit at night. Now she didn't go out partying and stuff at night no more. She just went home, staying home. Yeah. So it sounds to me like she took uh, getting pregnant uh, as a very serious thing. She, uh, as we know, unfortunately. A lot of women of all ages, they get pregnant, if they, and if they're, can, you know, partiers or whatever, they continue to be, you know, keep their partying ways. Angela, though, she took on this responsibility, and she was very serious about it. Yeah, she didn't drink, she didn't, you know, that baby was important to her. Okay. And I think it was because she wanted to show, she wanted to be loved so bad, and she loved Stephen. Really bad, like a puppy love. You know, we all go through that. Mm -hmm. um, and she, she just wanted to, something to love on. Yeah, okay. Let's move up to uh, September 9th, 1993. She went to, is this the friend you're talking about, Paula? Is this the friend of hers from Crystal's? Yes. Okay. Uh, was this, your understanding, what do you remember? Was this common for Angela to go over to Paula's, maybe stay the day, stay overnight? Was this common? This was common because she had told me that she was, they were going to get an apartment together and they were going to share the, the rent and stuff. So mm -hmm. Angela was not moved yet. She still had her stuff, but what she done, she went and bought a layaway and bought kitchen stuff or bathroom stuff, you know, decorating stuff or, 
and she had taken it over to Paula's and dropped it off that mm-hmm. uh, day, the last time I ever saw her. Yeah. Uh, but when she came, you know, when she came in the house that Wednesday, she all, you know, we're sitting there at a bar. I had a bar around my kitchen, and we got me and her and Nicholas are sitting there, and we're talking. And the first thing came up about the, the car payment. And uh, she said, Mama, uh, how much money? Oh, yeah, I owe you some money for the car payment. So she gave me 80 bucks. And we sat there and we discussed, and her and her brother was talking, and they were laughing, and I don't remember all the conversation. But then she said she was going to go spend the night with Paula. And she said, I'm off from work until Saturday morning, she said. So I'll be back here Friday evening, she said. And I said, okay. And she walked out the door and she said, Mama, I love you. And so I never talked to her. Okay. All right. So she goes. And once again, what was your understanding of her going to Polish? Staying over the night, coming back the next day, coming back late. What was your understanding of what she was going to do? We was going to come back Friday. Come back Friday. So leaving Wednesday, coming back Friday. Yep. All right. So she was going to spend two nights over there. Yep. All right. And do you... um, and your impression of Paula, uh, good influence on her? Were you all for her moving in with Paula? Was Paula going to be a good influence on Angela? Uh, well, she worked too, young girl. But um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know her. I just know what Angela was telling me about her. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought she was a good person. Okay. So just so the listeners don't have to go to a calendar for 1993, the Wednesday that Deborah is talking about is actually September 8th. September 9th is a Thursday. September 10th is a Friday. So we move up then to the next day, September 9th, and I realize you were not there the last time you saw Angela was on the Wednesday, but on the Thursday, what is your understanding of what went on that day over at the apartment where Angela was going to move? What is your understanding? All I know is that Paula had parents that live in Slidell, Miss, and and anyway, she was going to Slidell to see her parents, and she asked Angela to go with her, and Angela told her no. She said wasn't feeling very well; that she was just going to lay around here, and that she might get out later. Or she may go see Stephen. She didn't know. Mm-hmm. So the girl left. And when she came back in, there was a note. Oh, Angela, when she come in, Angela wasn't there. Okay. But there was a note that Angela had wrote. And she put it on the bar and she said, I am going to see Stephen. I will be back later. Don't put the chain on the door. So when Paula got up the next morning... Friday morning, Angela mm. was not there. Okay. Okay, so uh, there's a, and for all the younger people in the crowd, uh, in the audience, uh, notes are what people used to leave before we got cell phones, right? Yeah, this is before cell phones. Yeah, this just would have been something sitting on a kitchen table on a counter saying, I went to see Stephen, and, uh, and then so once again, Paula thought 
Ash will be back that night. Polly gets up the next morning, which would have been the 10th, and yeah. Angela is not there. What did Paula do at that point? Well, I don't know if she done anything. I don't know. It was, I, I didn't talk to her. Okay. Uh, because when I got the information, like I say, I I don't remember talking to her. I, I, I just don't. Maybe the, the cops talked to her, but okay. I did not. Because I think I told them that's where she went. Mm-hmm. Okay, as I guess. Number owner, I didn't have nothing on her. Okay, I guess what I'm saying is Paula gets up Friday morning. Angela's not there. Her car's not there, and you know maybe she's a little worried. For example, she didn't call you to ask. You know, uh, uh, Angela's mother. Uh, I don't know where Angela is. Is she? Did she go back home? So Paula, for example, didn't call you. No. Okay. And she might have thought that Angela might be hooked up, Stephen, and they may be somewhere mm -hmm. else. I don't know what he was thinking. Okay. And we should make clear that uh, at the time was the understanding that Angela was going to meet Stephen at his work. He worked at a pizza hut. Was that the understanding, or was it thinking that she was going to meet him at his house? No, what? she was going to pizza hut. Okay. And to your knowledge, was this common? Oh, yeah. All right, so she would go see Pete, uh, Steve, Steve at his work, even though she didn't work there. Okay. So when so we know now that Paula gets up, Angela's not there. When does your recollection? When does everybody start getting a little worried that you know nobody seems to know where Angela is? I remind everybody this is 1993, um, well before cell phones became a thing. Although some people did have cell phones back in 1993, certainly even before the internet. Uh, existed for everybody. So what did everybody do uh, and who was it that first figured out, you know, something's wrong, Angela's missing? Um, I knew something was missing when I found that car. But... Well, how did... So uh, just how did that all come about? Paula gets up the next morning. Angela's not there. Maybe you're at work. Maybe Nick, uh, it's, it's a Friday in September. Maybe he's at school. Um, how soon did somebody know on September 10th, 1993, that Angela wasn't where she was supposed to be? It was me. It was my brother. Okay. Please explain. Uh, Randy Freeman. He had went out towards the Monted Bridge, and he found Angela's car parked there. By accident. Yeah, accident. You please explain how that happened because I think this is important to understand that he was not leading at that point even know what Angela was doing or anything. He came across her car by accident. Please explain how that happened. Well, he was had uh, started dating a girl out there at New Augusta. Plus, he had classes at the college somewhere. But anyway. Instead, the, the old bridge, you have to understand, it was built in the 1900s, and it was a one-lane bridge out in the wood. So you could save time if you passed over that bridge instead of driving around New Augusta to the other side of it. So he was running late and 
had to be somewhere, so he decided he would cross the bridge. And when he crossed over the bridge, he saw Angela's car sitting on the other side. Huh. And this is a bridge that, I guess, technically was blocked? Uh, yes, they had piles of dirt where they didn't want nobody else to go over the dirt mm -hmm. area. But um, they would. Uh, the people that live there would cross it all the time. Okay. So it it didn't matter to them. They weren't scared of it. Okay. All right. So only somebody who was local would know that would have taken that chance. And just coincidentally, and once again, I'll be a listener should know, I will be doing a map analysis to explain some of these locations and everything uh, on YouTube as, an, as a supplemental to this uh, episode. But he's going, uh, I guess we would say, north on the bridge. And he sees her car at the other end of the bridge, on the north side of the bridge. Right. Okay, and it's just parked there. Right. Okay. What does, uh, does he do anything? Does he go to school? Does he stop? Does he think it's odd? What's he do? Well, he stops, and he raises the hood, and to see if the, the car is hot, you know, like it, how long has it been there? Sure. And it was cold. It was cold. Mm -hmm. And then he calls, uh, and he talks to my son, and he asked, uh, Nicholas, you, is, you know where Angela's at? And he said, no. Well, where's your mama coming in? Tell her to give me a call whenever she gets in. Mm -hmm. So when I, I did get in, I, I called Randy, and, of course, he said, you know, he was telling me about the car, and I said, well, uh, I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't think she would just leave it there. I mean, she yeah. like she would call me. Somebody would come tow it in. But anyway, um, then when I got off the phone with him, I called uh, the sheriff department of Perry County hmm. in New Augusta down there. And um, uh, we, I called from the house. And before I called them, I called Stephen. Why did you call him? <coughs> I wanted to. Please. First, Angela would have been with an was would be Stephen. So I called Stephen and I said, "For only he answered the phone and I said, Stephen, do you know where Angela's at?" And he just hung up on me. Didn't. And I thought that was really weird, and I thought, hmm, maybe he's just busy. So then I call him back, and he gets on the phone. I said, do not hang up on me. Yeah. I said, all I want to know is, have you seen Angela? No, I have not. You know. Uh, and that was the end of our conversation. So huh. then I, I called the, the sheriff department, and I told them that my daughter's car was out there, by the Omonid Bridge, and I didn't know if anything was wrong. I don't know if she just left it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But could y'all please, please just meet me out there. Okay. And they said, hey. So we go on out there, and it's hot. It's in September, and it's we're sitting there for about 20 minutes. Well, it took us 20 minutes to get out there. It only takes him about eight minutes or 10 minutes the most. So then about after a while, we decided we were going to give him another call. Well, back then we had, we didn't have cell phones. We mm -hmm. had a, what you call uh, a box phone or. Oh, a, you had one of those. 
So we had one. We didn't never use wow. it unless it was our because you just, you know. So we called them again on that bag phone, and I said, look, I said, we've been out here for so many minutes, and y'all said y'all were coming, and y'all not here. Okay, we're, we're coming, we're coming. Okay. So they finally come out there. Uh, it was a, a deputy, and then there was an undercover officer who was out of clothes. And they, the car was parked there on the side of the road. Um, and there was a, uh, right across from the car, there was a camp. And it had a driveway, and it had a, uh, a fence up. But you could still walk right around the fence to get into the driveway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and they looked at the car and they all uh, you know, little flashlights out and they were looking at this, looking at that. And, and there was um, right across from the car was a, a, a puddle. And I, I didn't know what it was. I, I decided to ask the officer, the undercover officer, I said, uh, can you tell me what that is on the ground there? I said, maybe it's nothing, but, you know. <coughs> he, looked at, he took out his pocket knife, and he stirred up in it, and he took a hang, little piece of paint and he wiped it clean, and he said, oh, that's transmission fluid from a log truck. They come down here all the time and changing their stuff, and I said, oh, okay. Huh. Uh, and Maybe we could just go back, uh, being that you were there waiting for them to show up, what did you do while you were waiting for them to show up? Was the, was the car unlocked? Were the keys in it? Was any of her stuff in the car? What was the condition of the car when you got there? Well, when I got there, uh, it looked like the passenger door had been opened because it was tall grass, and the grass was inside, you know, had got into the door. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, of course, we saw the, that stain on the ground, and I, we just sat there, and I just looked at it. The car looked fine. I didn't find no keys, because, and I didn't find her purse. But Angela mm-hmm. kept a diary, and the person would have known, had to know this, because she wrote down everything she'd done. Mm-hmm. But her, her diary, her purse, and the keys of the car... Never had been found. They were all gone. They, they were all gone. And but there the, was some other stuff in her car that she had not, she had took out of the house, was taken and over to Paula's, but had not took them out yet. Some things. Mm-hmm. But the car was unlocked. The car was unlocked. All right, so keys are gone, purse is gone, everything that would have been in the purse is gone, but the car is unlocked. Yep. All right. So, all right, so you... And uh, so you're standing there just looking around and that's what you're, you know, you wait for the police to show up. They finally show up. And then they, when you were there, did you notice that before they pointed it out or messed around with it, did you see that puddle on the ground? Uh, well, you know, right okay. when you got there or what? Oh, yeah. We did. Me and my uh, ex-husband, uh, we noticed it before because we pointed it out to the hill. Okay. So what do you, uh, right at that point, before thinking about anything else, obviously you've already called Steven, and he's been unhelpful. In fact, hanging up on you once. Her car is there. 
the bridge is right there. Um, what are you thinking at that point? I'm thinking everything she's run off with a fan. You think everything, but you don't think anything bad. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I want to, I'm here at this bridge and I need to be at the house because the phone may ring, you know? Yeah. Um, um, it was hard because you didn't have like you do now, you know? Mm -hmm. Right, you had that bag phone, but maybe people didn't know to call you on it. No, it was just for emergencies, you know, it was just sort of, mm -hmm. but I just, okay. you just don't ever think that anything like this would ever happen. Right. Just... While the police showed up, did they, I'm going to just ask you point blank, did they think that you were making much ado about nothing? Yeah, I mean, she definitely was like they had two runaways in that same area that week. Mm -hmm. So naturally, she was treated as just a runaway. Runaway. Yep. Okay. Did they know? The, I'm sure you told them that she was four months pregnant. Yeah, and bang out of her mouth was, "Oh, did she get drunk sometime or take?" Oh, she my. probably just got high and got drunk and left the car here. Come uh -huh. back and get it later. Okay. Any, uh, once again, being that the river is right there, it's not the Mississippi River, you know, fast flowing and deep and everything, but was the, was the river searched? And we'll get into some of these other things that were found, but like for the river, was it searched at the time or, or what? Yes, I did a, a search on it and the dogs kept hitting in some, in a particular area and they had those, uh, them dogs that come down, search and rescue dogs, and they kept hitting, like I said, they kept hitting in the river. Um, so, yeah, it was searched, and they even had where they put those things in the, drag the river. Yep. Okay, so they did all that, of course. Uh, nothing in the river was found. However, there were a couple things found that we'll talk about a little bit later uh, beyond this fence. But... Uh, being that you tried to call, or you did call Stephen, and he wasn't that helpful at the time in 1993 when this happened, did anybody ever go and speak to Steve, um, you know, regarding any of this? Yes, uh, they did, but I think he was out of town, and it was either Monday or before they actually got to talk to him. Okay. Do you know how that conversation went? The first time they went in there, he lied to them. He said he did head center, and that was that. They let him walk out, and then they started doing their investigation and running into this. And they got talked to Paula about that she was going to go see him that morning with that little note. Mm -hmm. uh, then they brought him back in because they said you had lied to us, buddy. Okay. And so then he told, yeah, he saw her. Yeah, yeah, he saw her. All right, so to start, the way you understand it, I realize you were not in the interrogation room or wherever this questioning happened, but your understanding is that when they first talked to him, he denied ever seeing her. Of course, that's what he told you, but then once this note was produced, that she was going to, that Angela was going to see Steve, and we just took for granted at Pizza Hut, 
um, were there witnesses at Pizza Hut who could verify that Angela was there that night to talk to Stephen? Yes. Okay. All right. There was an unquote there. All right. All right. So he says he didn't see her, and then upon with uh, more information, he decides to change his story. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to this. Uh, this is uh, where we're going to start first and what we might call the rest of the investigation. That puddle, of course, you saw it first when you showed up. The police show up, say it's transmission fluid. Uh, first of all, how big, big was this puddle? Would you say bigger or smaller than like a dinner plate? Uh, probably uh, up and down like a pen and go the other way with a pen. Okay, so about six, uh, five, six inches in diameter. About the size of a pen, yeah. Okay. Did they collect that, uh, that alleged transmission fluid? Did they collect some of it? Uh, not that particular day, but yeah, they did eventually, yeah. Okay. What did that puddle of transmission fluid end up being? Blood. Was it, was it Angela's blood? Yes. How long did it take for that to be to, to be determined? Well, she disappeared in 1993. They didn't do a DNA on the blood till 1999. Wow. Okay. All right. So these these police officers they think it's transmission fluid. A transmission fluid does kind of have the same, you know, coloring. I guess is blood. It's not something I, I'm kind of. I used to be a gearhead at one time. Kind of the same, but not really the same, but okay. Um, could you once again describe where this blood was in relationship to the car? Car is parked on this, the road goes down to the bridge. So this Hazel, uh, her car was parked on the side, so that way you didn't block cars coming. Mm -hmm. and, and then right across from her car, that's where the blood was, sort of on the other side of this, this, it wasn't a really a road, it was mostly just dirt, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, uh, but it was a road at one time, don't get me wrong, it was like black top road, but it was just all about coming up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, but anyway, it was on the other side of the road, uh, opposite from her car. Okay. Uh, how far, how in feet, how would you say? 10 feet, 15 feet? Like, um, you know, what would you say? Like the width of a, like the width of a single lane road or, or what? Mm, I'm not very good about okay. numbers. <laughs> All right. Let's just say a two lane road, a two lane road, further, closer. One lane road, one lane. One lane road. Okay. And... Once again, just to the naked eye, was that the only puddle that you saw on the ground? That's all I saw. Or you didn't see any, for example, you didn't see any drippings that went off in any particular direction, anything like that? No, uh -uh. Okay. All right, so this is once again one of those things where, as I've done presentations to criminal justice uh, majors in universities, one of the things I say is police officers say the stupidest things. This is one of those. So um, they think it's transmission fluid. It ends up being her blood. It's not known for six years. At the time, did you kind of suspect that that was Angela's blood, Deborah? Yes. You did. Okay. So. Of course, you know, what they told me, you know, when they found it uh, back in '93. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, uh, it, it's probably uh, a deer or animal that was gutted, you know. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. All right, so that ends up being Angela's blood, but not really scientifically determined in 1999, but any, I think, rational person uh, would know that you got a, a missing woman, her car's there, there's this puddle of red stuff not too far away from the car. I don't know who, who in their right mind would think that it was transmission fluid or some animal blood. But anyway, regarding the car itself, though, my understanding is they found blood not maybe in the car, but on the car, correct? Yes. Where, yes. where, did, where was that? After we drove the car home, because the people out there in Perry County told us that, uh, I asked them, what were they going to do about this car? It was, you know, and I couldn't leave it out there because I come back and probably all the wheels would be off of them. Yeah. And they said, well, she says, why don't you just drive the car home, and if she don't show up in the next few days, we'll check more into it. So I had brought, you know, I told you earlier that I had gave her a key, and I put the other key, right? Yep. So I had brought the key that evening when I went out there because Randy said he didn't see no uh, keys, you know, so... I put it in my purse when I went out there. So we drove the car back to the house. And um, mm-hmm. we parked it in my backyard. And um, it sat there until, um, I want to say Tuesday. Or, I want to say Tuesday. Okay. It may have been Wednesday. Um, then they and did a, uh, on the car, they brought a dog to see if a dog could sniff any blood, you know, that may have been in the car, or, and anyway, they found blood, she had a hatchback, 84 hatchback Honda, and when you pull it down, it, the blood was in the taillight, and it was stringing down the her. So it wasn't until you actually got the car back to your house that you discovered there was more blood on the car than you realized. Right. Okay. At that point, I just have to ask, at that point, did you maybe drive back out there to see if more blood at least could be seen by the naked eye? Being that, you know, you see the puddle in the ground, you know what it is, even though the police don't. You find also blood on the car. Did you drive back out there and try to find more blood in other places after that? We went out there, me and my family, we took in like 15 or 20 hours and we went up there and walked in woods out there around that bridge. Uh-huh. Okay. But did, but really, once again, to the naked eye, I really couldn't see anything. No. Uh-huh. Okay. That, that's not, that's not surprising. When, uh, my impression, once again, I'm no forensics expert, but just out in nature, I mean, to be able to even spot blood, whether it's human or anything else, it's going to have to be considerably large before it really, you know, registers, uh, it, you know, in your perception. So I, I can understand that, but I had to ask. Now, we need to move on to this. Now, this is the, the and I'm going to, I'm going to get this name right. I told you before we started this, the Monard Bridge, and you've already explained that it's a bridge, old bridge, one lane bridge, 
And in fact, today, it doesn't even have the surface on it anymore. It's just like the girders. Yeah. Okay. But at the time, it was a one-lane bridge. Your brother comes across. It happens to see the car. But was that area, just that general area, significant to Angela? Uh, he had, apparently, they hung up there. Her and Stephen would go out there and meet each other and park there and just, I guess, see each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, did you know this before she went missing, or is this something you were told after? Did not know that she even knew that place existed. Okay. Who told you that this, uh, you've told me in a prior conversation that there was a big tree like on a road leading down to the bridge that they used to meet. Who told you this? Being that you didn't know about it, who told you about this and, and can uh, we believe this person? Well, the, the sheriff of Perry County who, who's a new guy who took over, his daddy uh, told him that he used to see that car and uh, truck out there parked on that uh, crate. Wow. All right. So her Honda and and uh, Steve told a truck that we're gonna we're gonna talk about his truck here before long. But so another police officer uh, who I guess is maybe retired then at that time said he used to see that car and that truck there all the time. Well, it was uh, his daddy. He's the new sheriff in town. He mm. took over about six years ago. Okay. Uh, and, you know, they went, put all this, started an investigation again and talking to people again. And uh, his daddy told him he used to see that car out there parked under the old tree. So that's, yeah. Okay. And that was news to you? Uh, yes. All right. And so what I, about uh, to, uh, what about to Paula and to anybody else who knew maybe, you know, once again, uh, we run into this on disappearances. Sometimes the friends of missing people know the missing person better than the parents do. Was Paula or anybody else aware of this parking spot? Not that I know of now. Like I say, Angela said, told her friends more than what she told me sometimes. Yeah, I, I believe that. Okay, so... So I guess what we're saying is we really only have one person to go by regarding this story that allegedly, of course, Honda Accords, fairly common car. Uh, pickup trucks in the United States, fairly common. We only have one person's word to go along with this idea that uh, that was Angela's car and Steven's truck. Only one person. Well, yeah, and that's in, in the, they got that in the report. Okay. All right. So obviously somebody believes that. So, and this is what, maybe a quarter mile, less than a mile away from where a car was eventually found. What? Okay, so is that a coincidence or not? Okay, um, let's move on to this. Angela's shoes. So she's missing, her keys are missing to her car, at least one of the keys, you have the other key. And uh, this diary that she kept also uh, is missing, but that was kept in her purse, I guess, with her ID and everything else. But her shoes were found. Where were they? Well, well, one they found on the bridge. And the other one was found in some high weeds. It's like, you couldn't have walked in it. You had to throw it. Mm -hmm. that's, how, that's how thick the brush was? Yeah. Okay. All right. 
So we have this shoe that's on the bridge, so I guess when your brother drove over it, he must have gone right by this shoe. And he sees the car, and then later, when people are looking around, that shoe is seen. Obviously, that one would be easy to see. And then there's one in the brush. Anything significant about these shoes? Any blood on them? Did the police collect them? What did they do with them? Uh, they collected them. Uh, there was no blood on them. But they were, was Angela's size, and, you know, like I told them, I didn't know all that she wore, but, you know, I'm pretty sure that was hers. Um, okay. All right. So the, that's the only other piece of clothing of Angela's that was found, though. Yep. That okay. was it, except for a piece of a uh, piece of paper, a piece of napkin or something that had her makeup on it, they found. Huh. Okay. Like she had, she had been crying, you know, and she was wiping her face with it. All right, that's a, that's an example. That's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. So we got this scene, uh, and uh, I have to tell you, that's more than we usually get with disappearances. Uh, Deborah, you should know we hardly ever talk about any sort of uh, forensics, such as blood being left behind. That's very unusual. I Probably less than 10 of the 270 disappearances I've covered. Does that even come up? So we have that. We have blood on the car. We have these shoes uh, that are left behind. We have the car in a, in a location that seemingly was near, uh, if we're to believe it, a spot where uh, that, that Angela used to go, maybe to meet Stephen, maybe to meet other people too, but you know, her car was seen in the area. So we're probably not thinking that's all a coincidence. Let's now go back to Steve, and maybe we need to go over this again, being that it's been a little bit. First of all, on the day that uh, your brother saw the car and called you, you called Stephen right away, and he hung up the first time? Yes. All right, and then you called him right back, and he told you that he hadn't seen uh, Angela yeah. at all? He had not seen her. Okay. Did he even make the statement that he hadn't seen her in weeks or something? Did he... Uh, he he told me that's what I heard. It he told the cops mm -hmm. that he hadn't seen her in weeks. Yep. Okay. All right, but eventually uh, the police do talk to him, and he he and you're once again. I realize you weren't there, but your impression, uh, you know, maybe there are even police reports that you've seen that show this that uh, he said he hadn't seen her, and then he had to change his story. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, to your knowledge, uh, how many times, other than the time that day that you tried to call him twice, over the last 29 years, how many times have you spoken to Stephen? None. Zero. Except for that one. Except for, except for one time when I was working at the mall, mm -hmm. and he didn't know I was working there. And okay. I was working at a fast food restaurant. And all I done was I saw a head, and I went up there, and it was him, and he was caught. Um, and I said, Stephen, I said, how are you doing? I hadn't seen you since Angela's disappearance. And he said, I oh, know, I've been, I've been busy. And you could tell he was so uncomfortable talking to mm -hmm. me. I'm sure. And, uh, and you could tell he wanted to get away. And mm. I, I said, well, I said, what can I get you? And he said, can I get a glass of water? And he walked away. 
All right, so your impression, he saw you and wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. Oh, yeah. Okay. In the last 29 years, being you've only spoken to him once since the day, and you just ran into him by accident. To your knowledge, has he ever expressed his own theory to anybody regarding what happened to Angela? Like, has this even got back to you through the grapevine? Have the police ever told you, well, Stephen told us he thinks this happened, anything like that? What do you mean, like, he's told something? Yeah, did he ever say, well, I think Angela went missing because she got carjacked, as an example. Has, he ever, has that ever got back to you? Did Stephen uh, ever oh, voice no. his own theory? No, he, he, he said that some, she's a wild child. Sometimes she does not go off. Okay. All right. So I guess that's, uh, I don't know what that means, but he's never offered his own theory that uh, even maybe another example. And we, we've kind of, we're going to talk about him again here in a little bit again. But um, did he ever say, well, I think Larry Posey did something to her? Anything like that? He's never told me that. Okay. But that you've uh, never heard anything like that? But I've heard through the years, you know, like his sister would always bring it up. Well, how about the Posey guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Not brother. Okay. Uh, well... That's some family member being that uh, being that Steve knew Angela the best. Uh, you know, we should only be concerned with what he thinks. He was the one that was the boyfriend. He was one that was friends with her. He was the one that went over to your house, and you know, you thought you know seemingly good things about him for a while. He's the one who knew Angela the best, but uh, he's never been specific about a theory, to your knowledge. Now, you've also told me, though, that uh, I don't know if you knew this at the time or somehow I don't, you're going to have to say how you learned this, how you know this, that Steve actually did at the time of Angela's disappearance. He had a girlfriend who lived in another state. Yes. How do you know this? Who told you this? How do we know this is a fact? Uh, this is an investigation. This is true. Okay. Because he did have a girlfriend. And. After Angela disappears, she, he runs up there and sees his girlfriend and wants her to lie for him in case the police call. How do we know How do we know that he did that? Is, in, is that in a police report that you've seen? Yes. All right. From what, what uh, department? It is the, um, the cold case file of the guy who's been doing it for 13 or 14 years on it. Okay, and this is actually, this isn't some private investigators. This is an actual police officer in a local government. Right. Okay. So, the story in this file, and if you have those files, I'd certainly like to see them. If you Do you have those files, Deborah? No, I don't. Okay. No. But you've seen them? I've seen them. Okay. He went over every strategy. He wrote down the paperwork, what he thought. Mm-hmm. Stephen did morning after Angela's disappeared, where he went, mm-hmm. how he tried to, you know, to get out of it, because they couldn't find him till Monday. Okay. He takes off and leaves town. Okay. So what what department? Who is uh, responsible? Who, what who? Uh, this cold case uh, investigator. What department was he with? What town? What county? He was working at uh, Miss uh, University in, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He was in the uh, police department there, but he was started. They started working on cold cases. Mm-hmm. 
So Angela was happened to be one of them, and they worked on several others too. So he was actually a police officer for the university. Yes. All right. So he did not have jurisdiction though over her disappearance. Then would he? Yeah. He. Uh, he started out as a police officer in Petal. Oh, okay. And then he worked to an investigation. He uh, okay. does murder stuff. So he he's done other murdered cases, and he has got convictions on them. Okay. So. Okay. So, once again, though, at the time in 1993, he was not responsible for it. He might not have even been a police officer at that time. No. No, he wasn't. All right. So this he might kinda... have been working at Petal at the time, but I'm not really sure what his, you know, his regular police officer okay. or what. I don't All, right. Know. All right. So we just need to make sure that this isn't some private investigator. This is somebody working in an official capacity who, if evidence was found to implicate anybody, Steve... Larry, John Doe, whoever else, this person uh, would have the capacity to go to that person, put that person in handcuffs, and take him to jail. Right, right. Okay. Do we know the name of this girlfriend who Stephen had at the time? Do we even know how the two knew each other? I mean, how did he even know uh, a girl in another state? Uh, did they go to high school together? Do you, we have any idea who this woman is? I have no idea. I just know that she does exist. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we just don't know who she is. You have no idea how Stephen even knew her. No. Okay. But I know definitely they were dating. Oh. Okay, but we just don't know. Of course, it's 29 years later. She'd be about, let's say she was Stephen's age. She'd be about 50 now. So, um, if she's listening to this podcast, would certainly love for her to come uh, out of the shadows and reveal herself. So, um, you know, I'd love to talk to her. But, uh, of course, we can't forget Angela was pregnant. Um, any proof that Stephen was the father? I know we talked about this before, but we'll go over it again. Any proof that Stephen was the father of Angela's child? Can't prove that. Okay, I can't. I really don't know. Okay, nobody knows. No. In fact, Angela might not have even been sure. Right. Okay. In your opinion, if there was a choice between her getting pregnant by Larry or her getting pregnant by Stephen, which one do you think she would have chosen? Stephen. Okay. Moving on to this, we do have a witness... And I don't know if this is from the work that we just talked about this, this more recently, or is this something from 1993? You will have to explain that, Deborah. But there is a witness uh, who talked about uh, somebody cleaning a truck. Why don't you tell the listeners, when did this, when did you first hear about this? Who is this witness? How did this all happen? Well, Angela disappeared on Friday, early Friday morning. And later on, it was said that somebody had, now I don't know who the person was. All I know is that it, it's in evidence. It is there, but I don't know their name. That they saw somebody cleaning out their truck uh, out there somewhere on, like they're going towards Gulfport somewhere. But 
if he put Angela in back of his truck, it would make sense about Stephen. Yeah, we're not. We can't talk about that. We're not going to get into that, Deborah. All I'm asking you is, all I'm asking you is, did somebody see somebody else washing out a truck the night that Deborah, that Angela disappeared? Yes, somebody did. Okay. Do we know who this witness is? Do you know if this new cold case person has talked to this witness? Yes, they've been talking to, but I can't give you a name. Okay. And did this witness say who this person? Uh, cleaning out the truck could have been. Don't know that either. All right. They just, yeah, it was saw somebody, but mm. I don't know if everyone that was ever caught wrong. Okay, yeah. so it could have been anybody. Of course, Steve drove a truck, but a lot of people drive trucks. A lot of people wash their trucks out, do that on Friday nights, Saturday mornings. But this witness did not specifically identify Steve. No. Okay, very good. All right. Um, would you say, though, that this witness where he or she saw this truck being washed out, would you say that it was in uh, near Monard Bridge or was it somewhere else? No, it was not near the Monard Bridge. Okay. Let's move on to this. Uh, Larry Posey, the way you remember it, uh, like you said that, you know, you've never met him in person. You've talked to him on the phone. Um... You told, uh, you've already stated, he has gone out of his way to make sure you know that he had nothing to do with his, uh, her disappearance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you hear from him at the time in 1993, or did that take a while? No. No. Like I say, it was the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, we had contact. But I when it first happened, no. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, are you... Of course, you, you reached out to Stephen. We know what happened there. Um, are you a little surprised that it took Larry that long to do that? I mean, he knows that Angela's missing. He knows that you're her mother. Your phone is your number surely in the phone book. Those two are a couple, uh, at least for a little while. Are you surprised it took all those years? Uh, not really. Because uh, I just didn't know him, and I, I guess that... I don't know. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I have done it. Okay. Okay. Do you know if at the time in 1993 or even since then, the police have talked to Larry? You know, just checked his story out, see what his alibi was for that night. And do you, do you, do you have you ever seen any paperwork regarding any of that? Uh, well, I told you, he went off and got married Friday night. And they couldn't even talk to him till Monday, too. All right. Also, so if I may just sum this up then uh, for the listeners and viewers. So on the, like the, the night after, if we're to accept that Angela went missing the late night of September 9th or the early morning of September 10th, within those next 24 hours... The two men that were in Angela's life, one of them went to another state to see a woman, and the other guy got married. Yep. Boy, that is crazy. Yep. Okay. Don't know what to think of that, but neither and neither of them could be reached until Monday. Right. Okay. Just so we cover all the bases on this, any proof that Larry and Steve knew each other? 
I don't believe they did. Okay, so these two doing these things were acting totally independent of each other. Yep. Well, okay. Uh, all right. Now, I know probably what the listeners are thinking as, uh, you know, we, I think we can read between the lines, but, you know, we don't get into theories and things about theorizing about what actually happened to Angela, you know, very explicitly or anything. But I think everybody can uh, hear between the lines, as it were, regarding what Deborah thinks happened. And But we're just talking about the facts and we're not uh, trying to go after anybody. However... There is something uh, that Deborah told me about that has complicated all of this, and it has to do with the Monard murders, and murders that actually happened on that bridge where Angela's, near, you know, right there where Angela's car was found. And it had to do with the Moody brothers. I know you're not an expert on this, but you are a local there, Deborah. If you could please explain what happened there and how that is complicated looking looking into uh, Angela's disappearance. Well, it happened in 96. Angela disappeared in 93. But there was two, uh, a guy and a girl, uh, Bonnie Vaughn and Anya Patcher was their names. And they went, they worked at uh, a restaurant in Hattiesburg, and they decided to go out to the Monument Bridge and look at stars. So they parked their car where Angela parked hers um, three years earlier. Um, anyway, uh, they went onto the bridge, and they um, was stargazing and, you know, talking or whatever they're doing. And... Um, there was some Mooney boys uh, who lived on the other side of the bridge and decided they would come across it. They wasn't afraid to cross the thing, so they crossed it. They sort of slowed down when they saw the two couples. They were they had walked up on the bridge. They didn't drive there. And they said hello to them, and they went on by and got off the bridge. And uh, the oldest Mooney boy was, I think, 16 or 17 at the time, and he had a 14-year-old with him. Um, decided he's going to go back and get some of that stuff from that uh, female. Mm-hmm. So um, they come and uh, find out where they're out on the bridge, and uh, that boy has got a, a, a knife on the side of his pants and he takes it out and he stabs the boy in the stomach. And it comes out the other side and kills him automatically. And the girl starts screaming and running and of course you got to know where you're running on the bridge because it has holes everywhere. A wood's out. And it's dark out there. Anyway, when they get her, they slam her against the rail and all. Uh, they both put their bodies in their truck and they go across the bridge to their home. And both of them decide they're going to rape the girl. And then they start digging a hole. They throw, start throwing their bodies in there and they realize the girl's still breathing. They take a water hose and they slam it down her throat. And they don't stop until she stops breathing. Wow. And they bury her in the backyard. So then, when all this happens and everything comes right back to Angela, 
living the same thing over, like we got a serial killer now, you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the 14-year-old, I, I, he couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. He was miserable. So he finally turns himself in and tells the cops what they done and wow. where their bodies is at. Huh. So they, they find them, and then they said they find another uh, skeleton. And so then I got people at my door thinking they're going to find Angela. And then later they found out it was a nephew or something that, that he had murdered over a card money or something. They were playing cards and lost too much money. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Body was cheating. <laughs> so they killed this uh, family member right along the time this, they killed this couple. Yep. It was all like in one killing spree. Yep. Oh my. Okay. In your opinion, has this complicated trying to figure out what happened to Angela? Well, yes, it has. All right. Everybody thinks, oh, the Moody Boys on it. Moody Boys done it. Uh, it just happened to be in the same place. Okay. Nothing, the Moody Boys had nothing to do with Angela's. Mm-hmm. I have to ask, uh, how old were the Moody You said one of them was 14. How old was the other one? 17, and then there was a 16-year-old they arrested because he helped kill the nephew with a 17-year-old. Okay. And so I guess what we're saying is... Three years before that, they would have all been like uh, 13, 14 years old. Five. Okay. All right, and there's no proof that Angela even knew these guys? Not that I know of. Okay. Okay. So this is, uh, I think the listeners can understand, even though I think we also can see why maybe they're not connected. I think we can see, on the other hand, uh, why police, when that happens in 1996, they might want to reassess what they thought back happened in 1993. Are those, uh, those the Moody, uh, the, the, these guys, are they still alive? They're still in jail? They're still in jail. They got, uh, they didn't get death, but mm-hmm. they got sentenced for life. Okay. And, and I think the 14-year-old and the other one, I think they got them a deal. I don't know. I can't remember what all is mm-hmm. happening. They, right now, they're still in jail. Okay. All right. And just so the listeners know, I will post. Uh, I, I know there are several articles on newspapers.com regarding all of this. So you can read some of the articles that were written back in 1996 when all this happened. So you can understand... Uh, you know, the thinking at the time of the people who were reporting on that. All right, so we have Angela going to meet Steve, and at some point her car ends up by this bridge. There's a puddle of her own blood there. There's blood on the car. Steve denies seeing her at first and has to admit it, although there's not necessarily uh, any proof connecting him to that location, except for maybe this person who in the past saw... Angela's car there, and maybe Stephen's truck nearby, parked together. Maybe they were getting together near there. Maybe. But Stephen goes out of town right after this happened. The other man in Angela's uh, life, Larry, who she lived with for a little time in 1993, he, uh, I don't know, coincidentally or conveniently, gets married the very next day after um, Angela disappears, 
which is who would have who would have thunk it? And then to complicate everything even more, in 1996 you have these murders that take place within like 100 to 200 yards of where Angela's car was found. Uh, the last 29 years, Deborah. Of course, we've just passed over 29 years since this just uh, this all happened. We're doing this interview on October 15th, 2022. Uh, how horrible have the last 29 years been? It's not a day goes by, I don't think about it. Yeah. But I learned to survive and so that I can go on. If I didn't take a toll on you. Yeah. But not knowing, you know, I still don't know. I mean, I know that she's probably dead, but do you know for a fact, you know, you still got that candle burning in you? Right. Sure. Of course. And I keep hoping one day I'll get a knock at the door and the cops will tell me that it's over. We got him. Mm -hmm. Should ask you this. Um, Stephen, where did he live at the time and what has he done with his uh, life since? Where Was he living at home like or Angela was getting ready to move out, but... Was he living with family? Was he living on his own? Where was he living? Was it near this location? And what has he done with his life since 1993? Um, he was living with his mama, and he lived there till about maybe eight years ago, and he moved into a little trailer that he rents, a rundown trailer, and um, he got married. Mm -hmm. They had one child together and she had two from another marriage so mm -hmm. he was went to college all them years he was going to be somebody he hasn't he hasn't went nowhere okay all right so what you're saying he was you even said that he was in the military for a while yes. all right so he did that he went to school and i guess what you're saying is he's somewhat of an underachiever yep Okay. For that, you can't you can't do anything with your life when you live with so much guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, and you said that he was living with his uh, mother at the time. Uh, this location near where the bridge is. Yeah. It is. Okay. How has, uh, of course, you have another child, Nicholas. Uh, how has this affected him? How, did, how has he lived with this for the last 29 years? It, for a while there, I had, I had to worry about Nicholas. He got very depressed. I bet. Uh, uh, he had a job at Walmart. It was a very good job. and ended up losing it because half the time you couldn't get him out of bed because he just... Oh, my. Um... I mean, he's he, nothing wrong with him now. He's he realizes he can't. You can't let it throw you down. You've got to get up and survive. And if the only way you're gonna find out what happened to Angela is you got to keep it. You're gonna have to keep yourself up. Right. You're gonna have. That's right. To, um. So now he's doing very well. Um, uh, he lives in California. And he, uh, mm hmm He lives far away from his mother. Right, Deborah. No, and it's sad because I need <laughs> him here. 
<laughs> I know, I know, I know. When my mother was alive, she's uh, said the same thing. I know the feeling. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I'm glad that. Uh, so he, Dick is doing okay now. Oh yeah, he does. He's doing good now. Just, Great. At one point, he was just. Yeah. I guess because we kept thinking that we're going to get an answer, we're going to get an answer, and years turn into years, and, you know, sooner or later it's 19, it's 20 years, and then the next time it was 22 years, and you yeah. still know further than you were before, you know? Yeah. I, I, I understand that. Uh, the average age of a disappearance is not 29 years, but the average age of a disappearance we cover on Unfound is about 20 years old. So, um, of course, then that means that Angela's one of the longer ones that has gone unsolved, but for us to go back into the 80s, 70s, and 60s is not unusual. And, and it's, but, on the other hand, their disappearances that old being solved all the time. You know, through, whether by luck or by work or somewhere in between, uh, you know, these things are getting solved, uh, you know, once in a while. So we always... Um, maintain hope that that's going to happen and i think it's very good that you know you're saying that you have this person a cold case investigator who is you know going over these things you know uh, 20 years later in addition i think it's very good that you have phone contact with larry posey it's amazing how many times people get out of touch i think it's good that um you know that he is still around maybe i should ask you this before we wrap up this interview being that I, I asked about Steve, I'll ask the same thing of Larry. Did uh, Larry ever offer up his, has he ever offered up his own theory as to what happened to Angela? Uh, not really, not to me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when he called me, it was basically just, I, he said, I will work with the cops. I, I, you know, they had more interviews, you know, they reopened the case, you know, about four years ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they brought everybody in, and they would talk. The only person that would not come in was Stephen. But what I'm saying is that he was sitting on the phone, and he would say, I've talked to the cops. I'll do anything you want me to do. What do you want me to do to prove that I had nothing to do with Angela's disappearance? Well, that's good. We need more people the like that. One, I won't have not done that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, him were friends. I wasn't friends with Larry. I know. I know. Okay. Deborah, do you have a Facebook page, website, anything like that set up for Angela's disappearance? Yeah, my son has a page uh, set up. Please. That's Angela Freeman. Please say that again. Yes, it's set up under Angela Freeman. My son set it up, okay. Facebook page. All right, so it's just, it's not like find Angela Freeman or missing Angela Freeman. It's just Angela Freeman. Yeah. Okay. Now, it's, you can find, find her also under and all kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay. And I realized that there was a... Uh, maybe if you want to mention it, uh, we usually usually don't mention other podcasts, but there has been a podcast that covered Angela's disappearance exclusively, right? Yeah, there's been several. The the one that I saw is called Telling Lives? Yeah, yep, yep. Okay. 
So maybe people want to go check out that as well. I will admit I've not listened to any of it, but did you take part in that? Were you interviewed for that? Yes, I was. Okay, so uh, maybe um, people... And I will, Please. I will tell you this too. She tried to talk to him and he wouldn't, mm. he wouldn't do it. All right, Steve wouldn't talk to her? No, but she talked to Larry. Okay, very good. Okay, so if uh, somebody... If anybody wants some supplemental listening uh, to do on top of this two-hour episode, uh, you can go check out that podcast, Telling Lives. And when was that done? When did that all come out? When were you interviewed for that other show? Uh, I want to say four to five years ago. Oh, all right. So a considerable time ago. Okay. So people can check that out. Telling Lives, I'm guessing it's on iTunes and elsewhere. Her name was Beth. I can't remember her last name, but, uh, yeah, she did a real good job. Okay, very good. Yeah, everybody can check that out as well. Uh, Deborah, any final words before we complete this interview? I pray that this will help find what happened to my daughter. Mm -hmm. The not knowing is so hard. And I, anything, anybody thinks that they know might help. I appreciate it. Deborah, thank you for being on this episode of Unfound. All right, appreciate it. You're welcome. And that was my October 15th, 2022 interview with Deborah Freeman, mother of Angela Freeman. I thank her for appearing on this episode. I have produced an accompanying map analysis video for Angela's disappearance that you can now find on the Unfound podcast channel on YouTube. What makes the summation tough to do is, I'm not a forensics guy. I never read about any of the advances in DNA collection or anything like that. I've never watched any videos on how to reconstruct a crime scene where there are signs of violence. In fact, as I've said at college presentations, I think investigators these days rely too much on science, thus becoming befuddled when it cannot be used to analyze an apparent crime, like a disappearance, for example. So I have to admit I'm at a disadvantage in trying to figure out why a puddle of Angela's blood was found about 15 feet from her car, but they did not find any inside the car. Why was there blood on the taillight of the car, but none on the shoes, which people believe to be Angela's? And going back to the puddle for a moment, why was it the only one? In addition, why didn't there seem to be any drops leading from that puddle in any direction? My guess is many of you have more experience in this area. So I would like to hear how you put all those forensic facts together into a coherent theory as to what happened at Angela's car. Me, I'll stick to where I'm most comfortable, and that is trying to put together the more circumstantial parts of a disappearance. What are those? The nearby river complicates trying to figure out where Angela now is. True, it's not the Mississippi, but does anybody know how high or how low it was at the time of Angela's disappearance? Also, I have a hard time understanding why anyone would harm Angela and take her keys and purse 
but leave the car unlocked. And what about those shoes? Nobody surely believes Angela put them where they were found. But why would someone plant them at all? Take the purse and keys, but leave the shoes. Interesting. Overall, and lastly, yes, we know women are at their most vulnerable when they are pregnant by accident and the guy doesn't want the baby. But as you heard Deborah say, Angela wasn't sure who the father was. So the question, would a man have really harmed Angela when there was no evidence he was even the father? Moreover, my perception is Angela was going to have the baby and raise it herself, no matter what the guy thought. So then, why would that guy kill her? Or maybe that's not who the perpetrator is at all. Maybe we need more proof to be positive. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.